Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Somebody help me. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Well, we are on a series called Free Indeed. I just want to do a, a quick up today. We've been on this for a number of weeks now. I'll just cover real quickly the territory that we've covered. In week number one, we talked about God's heart is that you would be free. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I was just wondering, what was, what was the slavery that Jesus brought you out of? Or what, what were you a slave to prior to meeting Jesus? You were a slave to sin, and you were a slave to the devil. You were in the devil's camp. But one day you cried out to Jesus. Jesus washed away your sin, and a miraculous birth birthed you out of the devil's kingdom and into his own and if you're like me, when I think back of what I was before I met Jesus and what I am now, I am so grateful for freedom in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. In week two, we talked about being free to pray and I gave you some pointers to help in your personal prayer time. I hope you're putting those to use. In week three, we talked about the occult, witchcraft, the demonic associated with it. Two weeks ago, we talked about being free from sexual sin. And just so you know, you can catch up with all past messages on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and podcasts. We can give you, and also our church app messages are there. We can help you with all of those. Today, I want to talk about being free from the devil's lies. I want to ask you a question this morning, and this is this is maybe a little deeper than it, than it seems, but just stick with me. If Jesus defeated the devil on the cross, which he did, if you will, he took out his teeth and removed his fangs. He's still alive, but he's defeated. Here's the question. If he is a defeated devil, why does he have so much influence over believers' lives? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come over to this side. I want you to really think about this. If the devil's been defeated, why do, if I put it another way, why do we have such a hard time with him? Well, the answer to that question is found in one verse. It's found in John 8, 44. By the way, there are notes in your message if you're new among us. There are notes in the church app that you can follow. The answer is this. For he, the he is the devil, is a liar and the father of lies. Even though he has no teeth and no fangs or no claws, if you will, he has got a big mouth and he likes to use it. Okay, let me make this very personal. This is happening in our culture right now. This is the power of a lie, okay? There are those who propagate that a man can become a woman, a bona fide woman. I mean, you're no longer a man. You're now a woman. You will be addressed by that. You will, you will be called by that. 
50% of young people believe that to be a true statement. If you were to say a man can become a woman, 50% of young people would say yes. I say to you plainly, scientifically, that's a lie. That's a lie. Matter of fact, before I say any more about it, I want you to bring up the next slide. Do I have the one from, um, is, there, is there a slide by Hopkins on there? There it is, okay. I'm gonna read it, you might not be able to see it. Dr. Paul McHugh, the University Distinguished Service Professor of Psychiatry at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, not far away, explains. Transgendered men do not become women, women, nor do transgender women become men. All, including Bruce Jenner, become feminized men or masculized women, counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with which they identify. In that lies their problematic future. You understand what they're saying? You can take hormones to change certain things about you. You can have surgery. That does not change. If you're a male, your bonal structure does not change your muscle mass to much degree, um, nor does it change the fact that every chromosome in your body cries out the sex that God stamped upon you when you were born. Come on. Let's just, let's just say it like it is. Our society can propagate whatever lies they want. It doesn't make it true. Amen. Come on, somebody. And I hope, mom and dad, listen, I hope one of the reasons a lie gains strength is because there's no pushback to it. I hope, listen, when your daughter comes home and says, mommy, daddy, there is a boy in our locker room. I hope you will push back to that out of the name of protecting your daughter from what she shouldn't have to experience in a locker room in junior high or high school. I hope when your daughter says, I would have won a trophy in that sport, but a boy took it from me. I hope you will speak out. Come on, church. I'm not saying we should be mean, but we are to be, of all people, we are to be propagators of the truth because we have the truth. Can you say amen? amen? Now, if you know anything about what the Bible says about the end times, the Bible says society will buy into many lies which will open the door for the biggest liar of them all, the Antichrist. And here's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4. It says, the Spirit clearly says. What does that mean, the Spirit clearly says? It means the Spirit clearly says this is gonna happen. In the latter times, some will abandon the faith. Well, in order to abandon the faith, you once had to have the faith. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. How many of you know if you're believing something that a demon is propagating, you're in trouble? Right? In my devotions this week, I was in the book of Daniel. I'm now, now in Hosea. And I ran across this verse that tied right into this thought, and I just wanted to show you. It was in Daniel 8, 12. It says this. The horn, which the little horn in Daniel 8 is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will cast God's truth aside. Some translations say he will cast truth to the ground. Think about that. High-handed, it, the little horn, the Antichrist, took over everything and everyone. The Bible tells us what we must do in these last days. Ephesians 6 says this. Finally, listen to me, church. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Everybody say, be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. Put on the what? 
the full armor of God so that you will be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Zechariah tells us this. These are the things you are to do. Speak the what? The truth to each other. Listen, this, this is not complicated. Truth comes from God. Lies come from hell. And who is the propagator, the one with the big mouth? The devil, all right? The devil, that's why he gains steam, all right? And uh, listen, maybe you're here today. I, I just was, as I was praying about this message, I said there's gonna be someone either the 8.30 or the 11 o'clock service who needs to hear that. And, and you know, our culture kind of propagates no, no religion, believe whatever you want. Maybe there's a God, maybe there's not. And I have a little experiment for anybody here who, who doubts even the existence of God, and maybe you can use this, some of you for your workmates or whatever. I want you to go home, and I want you to take an egg, and I want you to crack it open. When you do, this is what you're gonna see, okay? I want you to look at that, whether that's in a bowl or wherever, hopefully you didn't crack it on your counter, hopefully you put it in a bowl, all right? And I want you to point out to me the chicken's beak. And after you're done pointing out the chicken's beak, I want you to show me the chicken's legs. I want you to show me the beautiful feathers in that brain, the, the chicken's brain. Come on, somebody. I want you to tell me how this glob becomes a living, breathing chicken. Somebody say only God. There, there ain't no accident that could happen that could ever produce that. Only a God in heaven could somehow in that shell, produce a living chicken. Come on, somebody. The Bible says creation screams the glory of God. Just look around, it's all there, amen? So let's establish the basis for all truth. It's found in John 14, five and six, it says this. Thomas said to him, the hymn is Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, help me, and, and the life. Okay, so the truth is not a concept. One plus one is two. That is true. But if you want to know the basis for all truth, the truth is a person. The truth is Christ, who ultimately was God. All truth flows from God because he is truth. Numbers 23, 19 says this about God. God is not a man that he should lie. Come on. Listen, ultimately, every person on this, on this universe is looking for something real and something true. Think about what leads them to the things that they do and the things that they try. They're looking for something true and something real. This is, this is the answer. This is what's gonna, this is what's gonna satisfy Ultimately, it's a quest for truth. And, and uh, some of you were here on Friday night when we, we showed the movie Jesus Revolution. And as, the, as Lonnie Frisbee, who God used in that movement, was saying to Chuck Smith, the pastor of Calvary Chapel, he said, all these young people, the reason they're coming to Christ is because they're looking for something real. And the world told them it could be found in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But they're all coming up empty. And that emptiness is ultimately leading them to... Jesus, where there was a great revolution among the hippie generation, some of you are products 
of that movement. Come on, church. Amen? Amen. John 8, 32 says this. Also, when we come to Jesus, then you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, so, if the truth is a person, if the truth is Jesus, and I'm giving you a hint by carrying it around here, then where can you find words about the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus, uh, what God wants us to know about the truth? How has God chosen to reveal the truth to us? Hint, hint. Okay, so he has given us his word. The Bible says in John 17, 16, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Well, pastor, I think, my opinion is, where'd you get that from? You realize everything you believe, you believe because of some outside influence. Something moved upon you or suggested or you read or told you. Our entire belief system comes about not because we're so smart that we come up with it on our own. It's outside influence. Come on, right? I think, I believe, my opinion is you got it from somewhere. Going back to my message from two weeks ago, just to illustrate. Somebody says, well, you know, I think it's okay that we just live together and not get married. I mean, everyone else is doing, okay, that's your opinion. So what does God say? God says in Hebrews 13, 4, 4 marriage should be honored by all. Okay, so listen now. When you reject the truth, you open up to a lie. When you are faced with the truth versus what you believe and you choose to hold on to what you believe, you've not only rejected the truth, you've rejected God. Okay, now, just, just stick with me now. When you got saved, how many of you in here are not ashamed that Jesus has come into your heart and saved you? Many of you. Somebody that didn't raise your hand, man, might today be your day. When you opened up your heart and you invited Christ in, okay, just listen. First of all, he forgave you of all your sin. His blood washed you clean, glorious. He breathes new life into your spirit man. Your spirit man, which was dead because of sin, comes alive, his breath. It's what we call being born again, right? He's born again. Your mind is the problem. Because even though you've been forgiven, even though you have new life, your belief system, which was formed by many outside things, is still in place. And the answer to that is for you to grow, to get into God's word and begin to realize that what God says is true, what you believe may not be true, so those files that are untrue have to be replaced with what God says is true. It's called discipleship, growth, mind renewal. Super important. What happens to believers who get saved, but they don't grow? They don't, they don't get into the word, they don't come to church, they don't have their belief system they end up as carnal Christians. They have new life inside of them, but their mind is of the world. So they end up in this half world, half Jesus, and eventually they're going to backslide. Everybody with me? Super, super important. All right? Um, you say, well, how about this one? Somebody says, well, pastor, 
I don't really need to come to church to grow. I'll just stay at home. I watch my favorite preacher. I read my Bible. It's a personal relationship anyway. So what's the big deal? Okay, that's what you believe. But here's the thing. What does God say? Where does truth come from? God. Okay, what, what does God say? Here's what he says. He says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. What are we doing today? As some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So God says, man, as there's more and more deception, we're gonna need each other more and more to learn together, to grow together, to help hold each other accountable so we don't up. And who would love you to get alone and try to just disciple yourself at home? Come on, that's the devil, right? You understand that? Everybody still with me this morning? And man, listen, if you were here, go to that next slide. For the community prayer service two weeks ago, you see the power of us being together, man. It was powerful. Amen? Well, somebody says, well, pastor, I'm just going to remain biblically illiterate, and then God can't hold me accountable because I don't know. Well, I have an experiment for you. Tomorrow morning, I want you to go down Merritt Boulevard at 100 miles an hour, and when the officer pulls you over, say you're, you're illiterate to the speed limit. See how you make out. Listen, how many, how many of you have a Bible sitting in your house? If you don't have one, we'll give you one. Okay? You're accountable for it. You have it. Read it. It's the truth. Right? Come on. How many, how many of you read other things? I mean, you, you, you're, you're reading the news. You're reading this. You're reading that. Come on, somebody. Read the truth. Make room for the truth. Amen? Research has shown how many Christians hold to a biblical worldview. What's a biblical worldview? A biblical worldview is that your thinking matches the Bible. When asked, this is just a few questions that you would determine someone's worldview. Do you believe that all roads lead to heaven? If you say yes to that, you bought into this world's thinking. Do you believe Allah and Jehovah are one and the same? Do you believe the Bible is God's word? Do you believe in a literal heaven and hell and many more questions? Okay, when, when those kinds of questions, more extensive than that, were asked to Christians, listen, only 17% of Christians answered questions in a way which reflected a biblical world view. That's less than two out of 10. What does that tell you about who is having the most influence even over people who claim that Jesus is their Lord. Boy, it's quiet in here. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't like to read. I hate to read. I don't read anything. Listen, I got news for you. Get the YouVersion Bible app. It will read to you. There's really no excuse in today's world with all the technology to get God's word to you this morning. Can you say amen? Amen. Now listen. What do you think about this? Just a change of thought, but we're in the same realm. If, you, if you're not into your Bible enough for it to influence your belief system, you're also not going to be into your Bible enough to comprehend all the promises that are in this book that are for you. I'm, I'm going to try this side. If, if, if you don't open this Bible enough for it to, to reflect or to change your belief system, 
You're not gonna know. You know this Bible is full of promises for those who name the name of the Lord? Full of promises that God says, now that you're mine, these are the promises that I have for you. But how many know if you don't know what it is, you're not gonna grab a hold of it by faith, right? How many know if you, if, if you have a great inheritance but you never got the letter that it's yours, you're gonna live like a poor man when you're really a rich man, right? Psalm 103 says this, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all, everybody say all, all his benefits. How do you know there's benefits to being a believer? Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, like Lee Lamb just testified this morning. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed for Nico. Listen. I am thankful for God's word so that truth can replace the lies that I've believed from whatever, whatever outside influence. And I'm thankful for the many promises that are mine and yours to receive. The Bible speaks of renewing the mind. Ephesians 5 says this. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, listen, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Now, that's not talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is through the blood. What washing do we receive through the word? Hint, hint. Yeah, our mind files. So that he might present her, the church, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So what is a Christian to do? You've been forgiven. You have new life in your spirit, but you live in a world where lies are flying about in unprecedented numbers. That's the world we live in, friend. Right? Powerful lies that, that are, that those of you who, who, like me, that have been around the block for a while, you scratch your head and say, how do so many people in society believe that to be true? I mean, when I was a kid, they'd have kicked the can with that thing. They'd have said, hey, no way, man, get out of my yard with that thought. But now, large portions of our society would say it's true. Friend, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna get into this word? You're gonna cling to this word? You're gonna believe God over the lies because in the end, you're gonna realize someday that God was true even if every man was a liar? God was true, come on somebody. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This says though, friend, though earth will perish, yet his word will endure forever. Can somebody say amen? amen? Amen. And by the way, one last advertisement. The Foundations class starts this Wednesday. The sign up is out there. It'd be a great way to learn to begin to renew that mind. Amen? I'm gonna change gears. Let me in the next... Uh, 15 minutes talk to you about embedded lies, okay? So there are some lies we believe propagated by society, propagated from outside sources. The answer to that is to get into the truth and let the truth replace those lying files. Everybody with me? Embedded files are a little different in that they are embedded and they feel true. Give you an example. Let's say you grew up in a home and your mother continually called you stupid. Every time you did something wrong, well, it's because you're stupid. 
She looked at your report card. Your report card really wasn't bad. There was room for improvement. She said, you'd do better if you weren't stupid. And and what the devil does when someone who's supposed to protect you from those lies, your parent introduces those lies, the devil says, thank you very much. I will use them against your child. And he repeats them like a machine gun, hoping that child will believe most embedded lies happen through trauma in childhood, some later on. But, but those lies get embedded in us. And again, anytime you do something wrong, you're stupid. It feels true. So you hold onto it. Everybody still with me? Hey, may, maybe you were molested and the devil said to you, you can't trust men. If that becomes embedded in you, think about this. If you are a sexual being and you can't trust men, what's your only other choice? Many of the sexual identity issues in our culture are because of embedded lies. Are you listening? Not all, but many. I remember when I was a youth pastor in the inner city. This is one of the reasons, as I, you understand as I tell the story, why I hate the devil so much. There's a woman, she was, she was later in life. She was, I think, in her 60s when she came to see. She says, I feel like I'm still living under the lies of some of my childhood trauma. Would you, would you, would you work with me? And uh, when she was eight years old, she was in her room changing, and she didn't quite close the door all the way, and her uncle walked by, saw her, went in the room, and molested her. And her uncle said to her, you know, the reason I'm doing this to you, it's your fault you left the door open. How many know an eight-year-old shouldn't even ever have to worry about and they, they, they don't need, most eight-year-olds don't know that a person's capable of that. But she believed that lie. I hate what the devil does to people, right? And so I'm working with her, and I said, could we just pause a moment, and I want you to close your eyes, and I'm gonna pray. And I said, Jesus, would you just show, I don't remember what her name was, the truth. What do you have to say about that? About a moment later, tears started flowing down her eyes. She said, it's not my fault. It's a, can I just tell you the answer to embedded why? It's, it's the word that comes from heaven. Because when Jesus speaks it to your spirit, man, it will shatter any lie pertaining to that. Come on, somebody. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Come on. How many of you, just out of curiosity, how many of you in here have been ministered to in our prayer counseling ministry where truth just shattered? Just wave your hand as an encouragement to some folk around us where where Jesus' truth shattered those lies. He is so awesome. It It is the answer. Amen. Listen. More so, I remember more so when I was a youth pastor. Have a teenager in my office. Maybe a, maybe, maybe a teenage girl. What I would consider a smart girl would I consider a pretty girl? And she'd say, she'd say, Pastor, man, I, I just need help. I'm just so ugly. I'd say, stop it. Look, at, look in the mirror. Come on. But you know what? A hundred people could say to her, you're pretty. And she didn't feel pretty. Because that lie was embedded. And for whatever reason, when she looked in the mirror and saw what she saw, it felt true. But when the God who created her says, my daughter, you are beautiful in my eyes, that lie is shattered to its root. Come on. It's why we all need to have sensitive ears to hear from heaven because we need the word that comes from that way and not the lies that come from this way. Come on, somebody. Somebody in the house say amen. 
fact, in fact, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. I want you just to agree with me. I always want to make a proclamation over this house. Father, would you help us to be a place where truth reigns, where your truth is proclaimed, preached, taught, that shatters the lies that people come in here with so that they can know the truth and the truth will set them free. In Jesus' name, let it be. Amen. There was a guy, a king in the Bible, Israel's first king. Who was Israel's first king? Saul. King Saul made some mistakes. And the prophet Samuel came to him and said, God was looking for a man after my, after my heart, after his heart. You, you've been disobedient, so you're gonna be removed from being the king, and I'm gonna put someone else in your place. Now, Samuel didn't say, uh, you know, you can't be forgiven, you're gonna be lost, you're gonna go to hell. He just said, you're not gonna be king. So what should have been Samuel or Saul's response? Saul's response should have been, look, I just want to go to heaven, man. I just want to be right with God. If that means I need to step down uh, because I've messed up, okay, let it be. He should have humbled himself to the word from the Lord, right? But Saul didn't do that. Saul believed a lie. Nobody should take your kingship from you because Saul loved all that went along with being king. Man, when you were the king, you didn't have to have like a Congress. What you said went. People bowed the knee. I mean, there was great prestige. And Saul loved the prestige. Some of you know the story. He made, a, uh, he made an image of himself to, to, to basically so that everybody would know how great he was. And when Saul realized, because he believed the lie, that David was going to be the one to succeed him, what did Saul try to do to David? Tried to kill him, chased him all over the wilderness. When I was in Israel uh, last May, my wife and I, uh, we were in En Gedi near the Dead Sea and there's the caves in En Gedi. We saw them and those were the places that David hid. One of the places while he was trying to hide, kind of cool to look at that cave and say, man, maybe that was the cave that David and his men were in. And, and, but what Saul didn't realize, he wasn't fighting against David. He was fighting against God. And that's the problem with holding on to a lie. Are you listening? In fighting against the truth, you're really fighting against God. And can I just remind you, God has never lost a battle. Ever. He'll win. Come on, somebody. Someday people will stand before him. Well, Lord, I thought. God says you're wrong. If you'd have read your Bible, you'd have seen you're wrong. He's, he's going to win. Wouldn't it be better to get in alignment now and be in agreement then than hold on to your way now and be chastised then? Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you. Amen? So Saul ended up dying. We don't even know where, where Saul ended up in eternity. It's unknown whether he ended up in heaven or hell. But David wrote these words, the man after God's heart who became king. He said this. It would be a prayer for all of us to adapt. He said in Psalm 25, he says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. How many know all of us would do well to have a tender heart for God's truth? Yeah? Amen. Amen. I want to change gears just for a couple minutes. We're almost done. I, I, want, I want to talk to you about 
what you think about yourself. You know, if I were to hand out a piece of paper and say, I want you to rate yourself, what you, what you feel about yourself, one to 10. You know, we'd have everything from one to somebody in here would surely give themselves a 10, you know, and, and you know, where do we fashion what we think about ourselves when we look in the mirror? Most times it comes from how good looking we think we are, how smart we think we are, how gifted we are, how much money we make. It's all outside stuff. Right? It's all, it's, all, it's all outside stuff. Stuff that could be changed in a moment. I'm valuable because I'm good looking. Tomorrow your house catches on fire and your body's burned and you're not good looking anymore. Then what, what about your value? I'm good looking because I'm rich. The stock market goes south. You don't have nothing anymore. Now what? I'm, I'm good looking because I'm fit. We don't know what tomorrow can bring. Right? Are, are you listening? What is our worth as believers? Listen, someone comes to me after service. They, they say, Pastor, I want to show you something really valuable. And they bring down to me a piece of cardboard, about two by four. And when they, hand, when they reach their hand out to me, I'm like, what's the value of a piece of cardboard? Like three cents, right? Oh, they say, oh, no, Pastor. This, this is worth a million dollars. It's a Babe Ruth rookie card. There's only, I'm just making this up. I don't know, there's only, only three of these around. Because the value of that card is dependent on what someone will pay for. It's not worth a thing if nobody wants it. But if somebody raises their hand and say, I'll give you $3 million for that card. You know what the card is worth? It's what, it's what someone's willing to pay for it. And can I remind you this morning that when God looked at you, he said, you are worth the price of my son. I will give up my son so that you can be my child. Friend, your worth is, is dependent upon the price that God was willing to pay for you. And he was willing to give up his own son an infinite value. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad this morning that your value is not dependent upon what the world is? Come on. See, the problem with there's always somebody smarter than you. There's always somebody better looking than you. There's always somebody stronger than you. Come on, somebody. But nobody paid a greater price than what God did for you. So the devil says, Ed Michael, you're not much. I don't really fight with that thought. I'm dust and to dust I will return. But God was willing to pay a price. See, see, I, I always deflect this way. Somebody would say, well, you need more self-esteem. Man, self-esteem is up and down and all around. You know, I need more Jesus because the more I understand about him, the more I understand my own value and my own place in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. That's why when you come to this place, we're trying to point you to him because ultimately he's the one. One word from him, you're mine. I love you. You're amazing. It changes everything when it comes from heaven. And then at some point you'll understand Galatians 2, 20 and 21, it says this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It's not about me, but Christ lives in me. There's the value. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. Come on, somebody. Let me make this practice so we're almost done. Some of you in this room, your greatest need as you sit where you are right now is to open up your heart and receive Christ as your Savior. You know why? Because you need His forgiveness. You need His life. And you need His truth. Maybe you say, I've tried everything else. Yeah, but you haven't tried the truth, the way, and the life. Because once you try it, you'll know your, your search is over. Come on, somebody. We watched the movie in here, Jesus Revolution, Friday night. What were those young people looking for? They were thinking it was, the answer was somewhere in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But they ended up empty. And that's why so many came to Jesus. Because what the world propagated as the truth turned out to be a lie. But how glorious it was. I cried almost the whole movie. This is like the fourth time I've seen it. Because they found so much peace in Jesus and so can you. Some of you here, you're, you're, you're relatively new in this. You've recently given your heart to the Lord. Really, this is for all of us. Friend, we have to keep growing in the truth. We have to. There are just too many lies flying around that, that if we even pause for a moment, we're apt to grab a hold of something that's not true. And the minute you grab a hold of something that's not true, you're not just fighting against a lie, you're fighting, or not just fighting against the truth, you're fighting against God. I don't want to fight against God. I want him to be for me. Thirdly, there's some of you in this room that are carrying embedded lies through some things that you've been through. Today would be a great day to just come and say, Lord, I just want your truth. And see what Jesus says. Amen? Would you, would you bow your heads everybody in this room? Just, just bow your heads, close your eyes. And I ask you to do that because I want you looking at your own heart, nobody else's. Somebody here today, your greatest need is to open up the door of your heart and invite Christ to come in. Because when you do that, he's going to forgive you. Think about that. In a moment, he is going to forgive you of all of your sin. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, you don't know what Jesus has done. He died for all sin. End of story, including yours. He's going to breathe his new life into your spirit, man. And he's going to help you to walk with him. And I'm looking for somebody here, and I don't ask you to do this because I'm going to embarrass you, but it's just very important that you respond in this moment because you have a will. You see, Jesus knocks on the door, but you're the one who has to open that door. Only you can do that. He knocks, you open. And I'm looking for somebody in this place today. Say, Pastor, today's the day that I'm going to open up my heart, open that door, and I'm going to invite Jesus to come in. If that's you, I want you right now, just raise up your hand unashamedly. You sense the Lord is dealing with your heart right now, and today is going to be the day that you're going to open the door of that heart. I see a couple hands right now, others around this place, looking all over this place today. Say, Pastor, this is, this is my very first time here. Yeah, listen, my very first time in a church like this was the day that I got born again. I've never been the same. If he's knocking, you answer. Someone else saw three hands, four hands, I don't know, somebody else. 
what am, I, what am I feeling right now? You're feeling the Holy Spirit that's tugging on your heart's door. And your job is to respond to that. Thank you, Lord. With your heads bowed right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. For those who raised their hand, I want you to, everybody's going to pray it as a way to support those who raised their hand. But for those who raised your hand, I want you to really, really mean what you're saying right now. I want you to say, dear Jesus. Everybody pray with me. Dear Jesus. I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for me. You rose again. And right now, I open the door of my heart. Come in, Jesus. Wash me clean. And with your new life, I will follow you. In Jesus' name. raise your hand. I'm going to ask something of you. Uh, Mandy's going to be right in the corner over there. When we ask people to move in a minute, we have a, an orange bag with some information of what to do next. Uh, please go and see her. I'm going to ask our prayer team, if you've been cleared to pray for people, would you please get out of your seat, grab a bottle of oil, and get ready to pray for people. Come on, if you're a, 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 an e-group leader, you know who you are. If you're, if you're good to pray, come on, we need you real quick. Grab a bottle of oil, get ready to minister to people this morning, please. Oh, Jesus. Would you stand to your feet, church, please, just to make it easy for people to get out? Listen carefully. If you need prayer for anything physically, as I was talking about embedded lies, you say, Pastor, that's me. You, you need ministry, personal ministry. You can get out of your seat even right now and go see one of these folk. But I'm also going to ask for a general thing. If you are here and understand your need in this hour to walk in the truth, I just want you to take a moment before you go and get out of your seat and come this way and just say, Father, I'm asking you to help me. I want the truth. I want to walk in the truth. I want to stay close to you. That should be everybody in this room. Would you do that? Would you just come this way? It's really important at this hour, church, that you have a heart for truth and a heart for God's word. Would you just come as a way of saying, Lord, hold me close to you. Keep me near to the truth. If you need prayer for anything, come and see these people right now. Come on. Come on. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need your truth, God. Move upon us, God.